This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. We no longer take live calls to the show, Hattie Cook. No. Because uh, my millionaire friend no longer has time to develop software for us. So we have a broken call-in system that we will eventually one day fix. My name is Dan Benjamin. Today is actually Thursday, February 25th. It's usually Friday when we're in here recording. But today is not, uh, today's not Friday. No, it's not. It's a Thursday. It is a Thursday. And uh, here we are in our, in our little uh, office here in Austin, Texas, ready to talk to you guys, our, our listeners. And we love, I just want to say this again. I love getting your feedback. I absolutely love, love, love to get your feedback. You can contact me. The best way to do it is to go to 5by5.tv slash contact and click the, you'll see a list of shows. Click the link for quit and send that to me. And what it does is it puts a special little, uh, a special little uh, subject line right there for you to use that way you will i will i will get your email and my little magical rules uh, will identify it as the the right email from you and i'll get it and I'll, I'll be ready for it on the show we didn't get much email last over the last week though people are just happy with their jobs yeah and stuff. everyone's happy no one wants to start anything awesome no, no. one wants to leave a corporate student job <laughs> everyone's just happy so we're not going to do a show this week no big deal uh we just wanted to check in and say hey and peace out glad Everyone's feeling good. I suppose we should do a show because there are our sponsors. We could just do the sponsors and they'd be like, that's the show. No, 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 we just do them back to back. And you're like, hey, you know, we did your, your sponsorship spot early in the show. They'd be like, oh, great. Thanks. We did it at the three minute mark. And then we did the next one at the six minute <laughs> but, mark. But they don't know that. <laughs> so we're going to have to, we, we, I don't want to talk about the audio changes that we have here. Because I'm not happy with them yet. We're not done. We're still tweaking things. But we're trying. One of the efforts that I've been making consciously is to consolidate things and to tweak things and to make, to, to do more with less. Do more with less. My mission for 2016, Hattie Cook, is to do more with less. You're you're happy with the settings. I do like the settings. I know you are. (laughs) There's things I don't like. There's some things I do like. And I'll tell you what. I like the settings. You're not using the settings. No. You're afraid of the settings. What, do you, what am I supposed to be doing with the settings? You need to take a deep, penetrating dive into the settings. And do what? And use them. And use, use them. People don't know. They don't want to hear whoa, any of this crap. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're like, well, when's Dan going to get angry? I saw someone. They, there is apparently a term that I've seen circulating on Twitter. Peak Benjamin. Which really? is where I get very upset at something. <laughs> and uh, and I, apparently I get upset. Yep. And and when I'm the most upset, it's Pete Benjamin. They don't understand. You have to deal with me a lot of the time just being like that. Yeah, that's not Pete Benjamin to me. That's just my that's normal That's just day. Dan. Yesterday, uh, the, the good doctor brought out the liquid nitrogen and sprayed it on uh, my onto my body. Yep. Freezing not off. Not all of it. Not all of her liquid nitrogen or not all of my body? How were you? How would you know? You weren't in there. You don't know what she did. Yeah, but you've told you told me. I did tell you. I've told everybody. <laughs> really? Now I really have told everybody. You scared your mother. Well, I did, yeah, I didn't tell her what it what it was. It was being burned off. <laughs> I can't even ex- say what it is. Bit. But it's not. It it was not a cancer. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. And I told you it wasn't. Well, you're also not a dermatologist. We went over today in in the car driving back from our Whole takes. Foods lunch. 
we talked we talked about how long it takes to become a dermatologist. This is it's all a long time buttressing into our see. Th- what I like about the new settings is it, you're gonna your yawns are gonna get picked up. You haven't yawned once today until right now when the show started. No, I was yawning because we had the blinds down. It was like a nice cozy cave. They've been up for twenty minutes. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, we were talking about how many years it takes to become a dermatologist. It's not like being a dentist where you can pick that up at a, you know, 25 cent machine outside of Best Buy. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I want to be a dentist. Here you go. Well, I, I didn't take go any classes. To... No, you don't need to. Yeah. You just. You're a dentist. Now you're a dentist. Right. You expressed an interest. Therefore, you're. That's good enough for me. Good enough. Here's stamp. You got your dentist documents. Time to do some fillings. <laughs> that's right. Uh, did I talk about my last dentist appointment? No, you didn't. Okay. We'll talk about that. The reason we were talking about this is, you know, you were saying you're yawning again. I'm going to call you out every time. That's only going to make your show sound bad. That's all right. Then I should yawn more. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about what, how many years it takes to become a dentist. Uh, And we were talking about how many years it takes to become a regular like MD or DO and how many years it takes to become a dermatologist. And these people know what they're doing. It yeah. takes a long time. They they have to they have to do a lot of schooling. And you were saying, man, I should have been a dermatologist. And then you looked up how many years it would have taken you, and you said, yeah, no, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah, it's like uh, I think it's between like seven to twelve years. It That's just many depends. Years. I was like, oh, you can't really just like go and like. I think I'm thinking of a career change. I'm gonna go ahead and just become a dermatologist you right it's like not like commit. it's not like becoming a software developer like all our listeners want to like, be oh i can just download some stuff on the computer <laughs> and then t- today i wasn't tomorrow i will <laughs> be i downloaded a couple pdfs and i looked at some linda videos now now i can do software development this one's like a minimum of three years residency i'm like oh my that's gosh. just the residency part anyway <laughs> so she looked at me and she said you know what not cancer we can get we can probably get rid of that it's either one thing or it's another thing and if it's the one thing, when we freeze it, it'll just fall off. And if it's not that thing, no harm done. It'll just get red and angry. <laughs> I said, oh, I'll do that then. Make it angry. So that's what she did. Not me. I'm not the dermatologist. Ne- no, not you. No. I would have saved a whole bunch of money if I just had you do it. <laughs> just me with some liquid nitrogen? Yeah. That would be a scary combination. How do you walk around <laughs> freezing, freezing people's I just freeze skin. people. Yeah. Why not? So there's a, what was the other thing? I already lost the new thing. Oh, uh, Espresso. no, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, I wanted to talk about the dentist appointment that I had. Oh yeah. Now I went to the dentist's office and what, because today, you know what today's topic is? Oh, the over overarching topic is professions Yes. versus jobs, Profes- professions versus jobs versus career versus all of that. I guess if I had said that at the top of the show, they'd understand why I was talking about becoming a dentist, but they're still listening. Profession. So I went into the dentist's office a week or so ago. And, you know, whenever you, fi- whenever you go to the dentist, they always got to find something. And so the dentist is like, he's like, well, you know, there's a little, there's a little spot here. I don't, we, should, we should fill that. I said, really? He's like, well, you can't just put a watch on it? No, we don't want to put a watch on that. What's We're gonna a have watch? To, a watch. Miss, oh, like- Miss Perfect Teeth Never Had a Filling <laughs> is a watch is when they, they mark and identify an area. And like on the, the watch list. It's on the watch list. That's right. And basically it, it, they will, they're Watch saying it. it's not quite bad enough 
to do something to right now. We're going to keep an eye on it. But we will keep an eye on that thing. My teeth are far from perfect. It's been a lot of uh, orthodontistry Mm. to get here. Didn't you say you had headgear at one point? Oh, I had everything. Name it, I had it. Braces, palate expander, headgear, everything. Yeah. I think that's the first. I think that's the first and your time teeth, people your are teeth hearing look about good. This. They look yeah, good. Yeah, I didn't wear my retainer, so now I have to go get the Invisalign for you know a few months, and then now you and have then shown I'll get there the is, retainer, and then the, uh, there is something that has you have shown the office here, and uh, that is that on the bottom of your teeth you have a metal. It's called a permanent retainer bar going across bottom. the bottom of your teeth. Permanent bottom retainer. Why didn't you just get that on top, too? Then you wouldn't have to wear Invisalign. They said that I... That was not standard to get that. The top or the bottom? Because they give you the the bottom permanent, and then they give you a a nighttime retainer for the top. Mm. And you're supposed to wear it. But because I'm a rebellious and lazy, I guess, combination of the two, I was like, nah, I don't need that. You don't need that. My teeth are great. F that. Fast forward. (laughs) Yeah. Now you're however you're, many years later. <laughs> you wonder why people call you Buck Rogers when they meet no. you. No, it's not go, bad. It's, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's not bad as far as you know. No one says mm. that about you as far as you know. Thanks. Except you. So I went into the dentist's office and he's a young he's a, what I would I would call him a younger dentist. That is to say he's in his th- early th- early thirties. And considering how long you have to spend in dentist school, that's young. Six months. Well, no, I mean, in reality, it's a few, it was a few years, right? It's more than I a thought six it was months. Just, it said, get, go to dentist school. It didn't right, really after, say. after college, you go to dentist school. It's right. a few years. Anyway, you're not getting out of there at 21. You're, you're, no, you're late. No, no, no. This guy's a nice guy. He's in his early mid thirties. And, uh, and I said, listen, you're going to do this, this filling, right? He's like, yeah, we, we probably should do it. I can tell there's a little spot there. It's right. It's in like in the top of my tooth and the back. On the top. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do any, any kind of painkiller. I don't need Novocaine. I don't need anything. And he was like, what? He couldn't believe it. <laughs> He's like, you know, as, you, as, a, as your dentist, I, I would think you probably should get it. You should probably want it. And I said, listen, I've had molars, bottom molars drilled out big time with no Novocaine. I know what I'm doing. He's like, well, if you really want, but, you know, why don't you think about it? And then, you know, next week when you come in for the appointment, why don't you think about it? And then if you still want to do it, you know, we can, we can do that. And I came in, I sat down, I told the nurse, I said, there's not going to be any kind of, it's, I know, I understand that it's not really Novocaine. It's, it's lidocaine or something yeah. else. It's fine. I don't care. Whatever it is, he knows what I mean when I say Novocaine. I said, painkiller during any, the procedure. I don't want any anesthetic. I don't want any painkiller. No he's numbing like, of anything. He's like, oh, you're okay. Okay. I said, listen, it's not going to be any harder on you. I'm, I said, I'm a pro But you're not going to be like, ah, it hurts so bad. That's right. So I, uh, he says, well, I'll tell you what. I'll go and I'll get a new burr. And the new burr, I know what burr is. is sharper. And because it's sharper, it won't get as hot. And that's what people feel the vibration and the heat. I'm like, I don't, don't do anything special. He's like, I'll just get a new one. I said, fine. So he comes back. He does it. He sits down. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to start. I'm like, it's fine, dude. Like, I'm wa- up there. I'm watching. They have a screen You're on the ceiling. the Bears again? And they have, like, National Geographic videos yeah. on Hulu or YouTube or something that they put on. So I'm watching, like, Planet Earth or something on there. And, like, he drills. He's like, are you, is that okay? Is that okay for you? All right? I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm fine, dude. 
He's like, well, just listen, raise your right arm and I will stop immediately. I'm like, all right. So I just chilled out for it. In and out, the whole thing took, I'm not kidding, because there wasn't any painkiller. They didn't have to give. They didn't have to wait. Yeah. They didn't have to pull, tug on your lip like you're a walrus or something. <laughs> in and out, I, sw- I kid you not, from sitting down in the chair to walking out 10 minutes. Yeah, he was only drilling for maybe three to four of those minutes tops. Right. And, you know, did it hurt? Yes. It hurt. How bad? Okay. The worst pain that I've ever felt, Hattie. I believe I know what you're going to say. Is when I smashed not this finger, but this finger, my, my, my ring finger. Yes. I smashed it in a, he- people don't want to hear this. Yeah. In a heavy wooden interior door of a, of from coming from the garage into my house this was a heavy wooden it's essentially it's an exterior kind of door in size Those and are weight. heavier yeah it's not like the door you would have to to a bedroom right it's an exterior Which, like door. you just kick through that's right easy uh i slammed that oh right on the finger probably broke the finger Really? Yeah, they didn't do any x-rays on it, but the doctor said it looked broken. But there was nothing more that they could do. They can't, you know, not gonna, they can't splint that or just heals, whatever. And it swelled up really bad, and it, it was really, really, really painful. I was, I passed out momentarily, but just barely, like, just barely passed out and regained consciousness. It was pretty bad, bad pain. That sounds really hard. So let's, <laughs> let's say that that's the worst pain I've experienced. That'll be a 10. And then, let's say, getting a paper cut, that's a one. Ugh, I don't like paper cuts. Okay. Does that seem like a good range? Sure, we'll go with Okay. This would have been maybe a six. Okay. Painful? See, I would put a paper cut, like, at a nine. Really? I hate them. They hurt so bad. I don't think that that's... I don't like the feeling of the slicing of well, the pick flesh. Something, I don't pick like something that. else. Stubbing your toe is a one. I don't know. Oh, come on. Don't be such a baby. <laughs> you've never felt pain stubbing toe until you've stubbed a 100-year-old solid wood foot of a couch that the whole couch is made out of one solid block of wood. There is no pain like that. But that- I can picture the sofa right now. I have, and I hated that sofa for years after that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I'm saying is I went in there and I had him do this. And he didn't, he didn't trust me that it would be okay. Right. And it was fine. I didn't complain. I didn't jump. It wasn't, I knew what to expect. I've done it before. I knew what to expect. He did it and he was done. And at the end of it, he was, he was like, you did, you did great. I was, you know, he's like, a lot of people can't, can't do that. I said, I understand that. But I know my, I know what my limits are. I know what I can tolerate and what I can. And this was fine. This was nothing. It was filled and I walked out of there. And here's, here's something that a lot of people don't know. A lot of the time when you get a filling, this is what you need to know about, about drilling and that kind of stuff if you ever decide to do it like this, is that the pain that you feel, the instant that your dentist stops drilling, the pain's gone right then. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't continue. It's not like the pain of stubbing your toe or getting right. a paper cut or, or her almost breaking your finger or breaking your finger. Yeah, it is. And when I closed it, it closed right on the nail, right on the nail, oh. lost the nail, everything. That's gross. Swelled up like a cucumber. That's and gross. And had to be drained by the doctor. You did? It really? Um, he had to put two holes in the nail and then drain <gasps> it. And he Ooh. had to drain it by squeezing it. No. I can t- I can take kind of pain like that. That's fine. 
I've been through worse. So long story short, he said, oh, he's like, I've got, he's like, it's all really in your mind. He's like, I've had patients who jump the instant that I blow like a little of the air with the little air blowing right. thing. He's Mental. like, he's like, this is, it's all, you know, I said, I said, mind games, man. He's like, yeah, mind games. And then he slunk into the shadows. But what's interesting, yeah, he wasn't even really there. He wasn't even a real dentist. Yeah, I wasn't even in a dentist's office. I was just outside at a abandoned gas station. No. So re- really, though, <laughs> it's interesting because in, in his profession, he, he made this comment. He's like, well, my professional opinion, I think you should have an anesthetic. You should have. And, you know, his goal is to make my experience as comfortable as possible. And at the same time, to make his own experience easy and comfortable, too. It's easier for him if I'm all numbed up. Right. Because then he doesn't have to worry about anything. He was being extra careful. And I told him, you don't have to be extra careful. It's fine. But of course, he, you know, this is like what he's well, probably done. Hurt other he's probably done thousands and thousands of fillings. And maybe one, two other people have ever, maybe none. He didn't say he's ever done that before. Right. So that must have been an interesting thing for him. Now, I'm leading up to something here. And, and this is, I want to read this post. From Augusto Marietti, who is Italian, or Hattie, as, as you say, no offense, Italian. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he wrote a fantastic post in Medium yeah, that I really want good. to tie into the show in, in an interesting way. But before I do that, I want to tell you about Linode. Linode is amazing. Now, if you don't know, and I just listen to this spot for a minute. I know some of you jerks fast forward through it. Listen to me. Linode is amazing. I am a customer of Linode. I've been a customer of Linode for since probably they first began, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago. They're based in my hometown, Philadelphia. Philly. And they, they're a, a web hosting company, but they're a hosting company in general, not just web. You go there and you get a VPS, virtual private server. You configure, you say, oh, well, I want one with this much RAM. No, I want one with this much RAM. I want one with this much hard drive. In like, 15 seconds it really doesn't take any time at all because it's all automated behind the scenes they don't have a human running over well i gotta wreck mount something for uh, for hattie's uh, order it just happens Get automatically the behind the scenes instantaneously you've got a vps it's up it's ready to go you get root access to that thing and you can set it up and do whatever you want guess what we're guess what we're getting set up on there every single part of our with the with the exception of our uh lovely uh cash fly the folks that do our caching for our downloads all of our infrastructure, all of our servers, all of the, the Rails app that I built that run 5x5, five five, all the counting stuff, all the tracking, all that stuff, everything we do for 5x5, five five, I'm putting it uh, all over there. That's how that, I'm all in. That's what they say, all in. And the experience has been amazing. I haven't needed to use their support. I almost wanted to go in having to use their support. I couldn't use their support because it was too easy. Plans start at 10 bucks a month. You get a server running in under a minute. And they just did some stuff behind the scenes to really, really boost the performance. They switched from Zen to KVM. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. It just means everything behind the scenes is really, really fast. You can do anything you want. Host your website, put files up there, run your Rails app, Python, Java. I mean, you name it. You pick your distribution of Ubuntu or whatever you want. I like Ubuntu 14, the latest 14. That's the stable one. Yeah. But you can go to 15. They got that. They got other distros too. It doesn't have to be Ubuntu. And they made a special URL for you guys, Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash quit. 
linode.com slash quit. Promo code is quit20 for 20 bucks credit on your account, courtesy of me. So thank you very much to Linode for making this show possible. Let me read this to you. Augusto Marietti, February 18. <laughs> You're making a six him from... A read. Well, then I have to read the... Am I reading read... it like he's from Transylvania. Uh, Transylvania is like these. Yeah, that's what you were doing. No, this is like, I was born in Rome. Roma. Italy. Yeah. Italia. Transylvania is more evil. <laughs> See, it's a little different. Yeah, it is. By the way, I've met people from Transylvania. Evil. Really? Yes. How evil? I'm not saying they're vampires. They but, might but be. pretty evil. I'm saying they're pretty evil. And they drink, uh, what is that, Uzo. Uzo. The Greek drink? Is it? No, not Uzo. What's the other one? There's two of them like that. Uzo. Oh, Look yeah. it up. It's, it's, a, it's an aperitif, right? Sure. It's not Uzo. You'll figure it out. All right. Now, this is a piece from Augusta. And, here, and I'll put this in the show. I guess it should be in the show notes if you want to read it again later. Because it's a really, really good article. And I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm not going to read every part of it. But here, just chill out for a second and sit back. And listen to this. I was born in Rome, Italy, but now live in San Francisco, California, where there is a big focus and excitement surrounding coffee. Not just American coffee, but Italian or, how do you would say, Italian espresso, <laughs> cappuccino, and everything in between. Unfortunately, the espresso coffee is mostly terrible. Coffee shops and bars spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in interior design, purchase fancy $40,000 Marzocco machines, and offer prepackaged coffees designed like Apple products. At the peak of this friend he is, and he's making fun, he doesn't want to say blue bottle coffee. I wondered why he He calls that. it purple bottle coffee. He's trying to be politically correct here. So wherever he says purple bottle coffee, I'm just going to say blue bottle. At the peak of this frenzy is Blue Bottle Coffee and similar new brands where barristers embracing their inner hipster. Pour your morning cup. Everything seems perfect except you won't find this espresso in Italy. And barristers in the U.S. take forever. I've asked myself many times, why do Americans fail to deliver simply a simple, good espresso coffee? Potential variables as to why espressos are so bad here include barrister mistakes, water, and poor quality of materials. In my unscientific sample of European visitors, nobody understands why, why espressos taste so different here. Let's analyze the whys. Now, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm going to skim some, skip some of this to tell you. Basically, he says, well, the first thing is the beans are wrong. Then he says that uh, the barristers push too hard on the coffee grounds. It has to be done with a delicate hand, etc. They use the wrong machines. He said that the, 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 the only machine that they get over there is a Simbali. Everything, they don't use anything else but that. That's the workhorse machine. And he says that they take too long. He said that it, over there... A barrister would be fired if they took three minutes to make an espresso. Three minutes. He's <laughs> outraged. Three minutes. He says uh, there's a place in Rome that has the best coffee in the world. Small places. It has two machines. It does 400 coffees per hour. Wow. He says making a regular espresso should take 30 seconds from grinding beans to being served. He says here they take too much time making fancy moves, pressing the grounds too hard, making it too long. He says, coffee is not a red wine that needs to be aged. It should be made and served quickly. He also talks about turnover. 
He says, one reason service is faster in Italy is because the same barista and machines have been making coffee for many years, sometimes even decades. The barrister has made an espresso, espresso, espresso so many times their movements are damn fast like a boxing champion. By working at the same bar and using the same machine for years, they become a master, like a sushi chef that takes 10 years experience to make good rice. A great barrister must practice their art. He also talks about machines that are, are old. They actually, they, the machines themselves take on the flavor of the coffee. I can understand that. And then he finally ends it by saying, espresso has to be short. A perfect pour is no more than half an espresso cup, not three quarters. He says, sometimes I've been handed an almost full cup. Forget the double espresso mania. Nobody drinks those in Italy. A single shot espresso should be strong enough. Double espressos ruin the quality of the original taste. Then he talks about other things outside variables and everything else. Now, why am I reading about this article? Why am I talking about this at all? And that's because, to me, what he's really talking about, I think, is he's talking about craft. Yep, I agree. He's talking more about perfecting a skill and perfecting a craft. And it's, I remember when I went to South Korea. This is in maybe 99, 2000. People there doing what we would consider to be blue collar or in many cases even menial jobs. People over there seemed to take great pride in their work, whatever it was, even in these low-end jobs, I'm doing air quotes, jobs that here, working at, for example, like my job, working at Burger King. I knew that working at Burger King was kind of a, a starter job for me. But for a lot of people, that's maybe that's the best job that they can get. Maybe that's the best job that, that, that they can find. That's for. all they're qualified yeah. for. Or that's that's the best job in the town that they live in. Or that's, yeah, I mean... And you know what? So the reality of that was for me as a 13-year-old, that was a 13, 14-year-old's job to get. I knew that I wouldn't be in that job forever. I knew I wouldn't be working that job forever. I knew that it was a temporary kind of a thing. But that kind of attitude, I think, here in in, in the U.S. is a very pervasive attitude that that I'm just doing a temporary thing here. Like, this isn't a career. Like, I'm not going to stay there. Well, that's a foreign concept to the generation right. that came a couple before ours. That's a foreign concept to my granddad. He always just chastised me for switching jobs so much. I was, oh, I worked here for a few months, I worked here for a year, I worked here for another six months. He didn't understand that. He's like, how, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? His concern was that I would be ruining my career, that I'd never be able to find a job because I had changed around so much. He didn't realize that that was normal. For him... He was at pretty much one job his whole career. My dad, pretty much one job his whole career. My mom, maybe two jobs. One, the, the second job that she had, she was there for decades. I think now if someone stays at a, at a job for more than a year or two, they're like, what's, dude, what's wrong with you? Why are you sticking around? So you've heard, you've heard people probably ask you that. You've been here for a few years. Yeah. I'm sure you get people like, why are you staying there? Like, you're like, hopefully, you're like, well, I'm happy, right? I am. I'm happy. I'm having fun and doing good work and get ra- You it. get raises. I get raises. So, you know, like, like you're, you're here because you want to be here. But that seems probably weird to a lot of people who, would you say your peers, people who graduated around the time that you have, haven't, have changed jobs more than you? I would, yeah. Maybe two times. Yeah. And 
it's it's interesting to me because I I knew people who had stayed in the same job for a long time, and I would have that kind of question too of like what why are they there like why why don't they have any ambition right what do we um why one of our real estate people we just found out that he's been there for like right oh my gosh his name 30 is up years on, or yeah. something <laughs> he was like one, an intern there and then yeah. he just got a job and has stayed there and you know what his name is on every <laughs> building every building but like that's how that's what you know. I think that your grandfather would understand is like that's how you become someone. I mean, it's a very different philosophy. But if you're doing something that you enjoy and you're in an industry that you like and you work in a place or with people that you like, you shouldn't have to change your job. You shouldn't have to feel any pressure to go and well, you know, because there is that grass is always greener thing. But. It's interesting to me bringing this back to the coffee espresso conversation. I, I, I haven't done a poll of this, but I'd be willing to bet if you went to your local Starbucks and made a note of the people that were working there and went back in three months. Yeah. My guess, 25 to 50% of them would, be, would have left and there'd be new people in those jobs. Maybe that's a low number. I don't know. I bet that I bet that those people who are working at Starbucks are probably not thinking of this as a craft or a trade. They're probably not thinking of it as a long-term career thing. They're probably thinking of it as like, well, it's convenient to my house and it pays pretty well. Or it's a cool place to be. I think bartending is probably the there. same way. Yeah, my friend worked there and got me the job. And I think that that's a perfectly fine motivation. I'm not saying that this is bad. I'm not saying that those people are bad for finding a job that meets that, those criteria either. I think it's perfectly fine. However, what I found in South Korea was that these people who were in these jobs, for many of them, these were lifetime career moves for them. These were lifetime jobs for them. These were, these were places they had gone to work and they were there. They were doing this thing. And they were going to stay doing that thing. And they wanted to do it the best they could. Exactly. And this is where we get to the coffee thing is that if, if, the, if you are making coffee, according to this guy, if you're making this coffee in a little coffee shop in Rome, that maybe you own the shop or maybe it's your dad's shop or maybe it's your, you know, your best friend's shop or your neighbor's shop or something. There seems to be a different vibe to it that the reason that you work there is because you love it or because it's a family business or because you care in my opinion he says the only true italian espresso in the bay area is made at cavalli coffee cavalli cafe it's a simple small bar with no interior design no fancy coffee beans and no extravagant machines cavalli is owned and operated by one man from naples Located in North Beach, the cafe has great handmade tiramisu and cannoli. Often their cappuccino is actually better than in Italy. And he says the big business lesson, focus less on the form and more on the substance, the essence. That's not my takeaway from what he wrote. Right, I agree. I think that's a good point. What I hear him saying, and if you step back and look at what he's saying, or what my takeaway from it is, I hear his focus on... These are people who care about 
the craft. They care about the thing that they're doing. They are putting their work out there. So if you go into Cavalli Cafe or something like that, and you say, I would like an espresso, the guy's not like, ah, here's your espresso, get out of here. He's like, this espresso is the culmination of everything that I have practiced, my skill, buying the best beans I can, having the best machine for what I do, understanding how to use that machine, creating only the best thing, sending out only, you know, when um, there's a restaurant in town, really good restaurant, you can go and you can sit up, they have a little bar right by where the, the chefs, do you know the restaurant I'm talking I about? I think so. Right by where the chefs are are cooking. And you can go and you sit right up there and uh, and, and you're like a, a foot or two away from where they're I cooking. I love that. It, it's like the, a sushi. It's like when you watch the yes, sushi chefs. It's just like that. Exactly. And you can sit there and you watch them and you can see them making your meals and other people's meals. And the amount of attention and time that they spend making the meal, each person, you know, you may have one person who's cooking the meats, another person who's putting the, you know, the, 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 I don't know, it's not like a dressing or whatever it is that goes on top of it. Another person's the seasoning. Like, yeah. the seasoning. Then there'll be another person who's sort of like the, the head chef or the sous chef or whatever, who's at the end of the line expediting, looking like at missing it. missing almonds. Right. So if there's something wrong, it's not going out. It's not, nothing is coming from their kitchen to someone's table. They have a job that ju- he just checks stuff and makes sure it's right. And he knows exactly how it should look. And he also knows, as indicated by the giant forearm tattoo oh that he has of the restaurant's logo, this, his, his reputation's on the line with every single his dish that goes it. out. Yeah. If a dish goes out that's wrong, it's, it's his fault. It's his dish, and he screwed up. Every single dish that goes out while he's there working. it's kind of his integrity. It is absolutely his integrity. And I, I love that, because what that means is, you're going to get, not only are you going to get quality, you're going to get a meal that was prepared correctly. You go to this coffee place this uh, guy likes, you're going to get an espresso that was made correctly. Well, I hear some of you saying, you know what? You guys are being fussy. You're being especially fussy about coffee. Coffee, as long as the person drinking it likes it, it's got caffeine. It's, you know what? That's true. But what he's saying is, he comes from the land of coffee. He comes from the place where espresso was invented and perfected. Right. And he's had it that way. And he's because saying, well, why can't his, you also do it? He's saying way. that's your preference, though. You know, like you like coffee done a certain way at a certain strength. And what if I like what I get at Starbucks? Well, that's fine. But I think his point is, if you compare the craft that goes into it with the craft that, that goes into it at, at one of these other places, his feeling is that, that, that that's the part that's missing, that they're not getting the best possible beans in the world. They're not using the, the machine that works the best for. And then to us, that is espresso. Right. When in reality, there's something out there that's completely different because it's so much better because there's care and love and knowledge that's gone into that. Exactly. And so where I bring this back, I remember when I first started 5 by 5 I edited every single show myself and spent hours editing them. A show, an interview that, I'm, that, that might be a 25, 30 minute interview, I might spend five hours editing that. Part of that was I was learning and perfecting my craft. 
part of it was I didn't have a really good, you know, piece of hardware like we have right now that eliminates the need for a lot of editing. People who listen to my other show, The Podcast Method, know what I'm talking about. We avoid having to do a lot of editing, a lot of post-production because we have good equipment up front. But in the beginning, I sure didn't. I had terrible equipment. I had no equipment. Which means you had to do more work. Right. <laughs> but that was, I had, I had the time. I didn't have the money. I couldn't afford to get a nice mixer because I didn't, I didn't have the money to buy the mixer. So I had to spend more time in post-production until I could have the money to Endless reinvest. cycle. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, every show that came out, like if there was a mistake in that show, like I was mortified when that happened. And I would sweat it and I wouldn't just edit the shows. I would listen back to every show from beginning to end and make sure they were perfect before I would put it out there. And the first person that I ever hired, the first person I ever wrote a check to, to help me with five by five was an editor who knew way more than I did. He knew how to use pro tools and logic. He'd make them dance. He could edit a show that would take me hours to edit. He could edit in minutes. Because this was his profession, his craft, his trade. And sometimes he would make a mistake. And it would not be the kind of mistake I would make. Like, oh, you missed a marker. And during that marker, that's where Andy, you know, sneezed and coughed and repeated himself. Like, I would never miss that. Because you were there, you remember it, you, yeah, in your brain. And like now the complete, the show's completely ruined. The kind of mistake I might make was, well, you know what? I didn't have the levels perfectly balanced or I didn't adjust the compressor right or I used the EQ that could have been better that now that I'm- music came in too late. Yeah. yeah. I'm listening to it in my car and there's too much bass on on this person's track and I should have fixed that. I'll get that next time. I'll do it tonight. Instead of- you know, instead of the kind of mistake of like, oh my God, like a content error, no way. And that happened. And I contacted him and I'm like, can you fix that? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. I'll get right to that. And he cared a lot about the product that he created and the work that he did. And he would fix it and it was perfect. Of course, with the podcast, if 10,000 downloads already happened, you can't pull that file back and insert a new one. You can force them to download a new one, but you sure can't fix the one that they have. So everyone's going to hear that. So I was very aware of that, but still like that thing that I was producing and and five by five became known for having the best audio quality. Like if you were to go back in time and read the reviews of the shows and read like we were known for that. Now the majority of podcasts sound, sound very good. Yep. But I remember when I first started, the podcast that I listened to overwhelmingly sounded absolutely horrible. Yeah. And I said, the way, one of the ways that we will differentiate ourselves is not just through great content, but through amazing quality, even if it means I have to spend hours and hours and hours learning and, and doing this, because this will be the differentiator. Now, if you don't have good quality podcasts, like screw you, you no don't even make listen. it on yeah, the map. You don't even make it, right? <laughs> because it's so easy to sound good now. It is good. We have come a very, very long way. But the problem, I think, is that. Still, too many people are content, and this is, I think, uh, the author of the article, Augusto, I think this is what his complaint is, is that people here don't know 
what it, what the real thing is, according to his opinion, what the real thing is. And as a result of not knowing what the real thing is, they're having subpar, flat out wrong coffee experiences. And they, if they only knew what they were missing. And his second point is, it's easy to do it the right way. Just get the right. right beans and don't do these three things that you're doing wrong. And like you could be doing it right. It would be easy for you to do it right. And just do it right. It, it He's kind of shocked that like, because it's so easy to do it, why aren't you doing it? And don't you care that you're doing it wrong? Or don't you care that it could be better? And I, I think it's very endearing that he cares. He's not even the one making the coffee, but he cares that we aren't getting the right kind of espresso. <laughs> exactly. He's very upset about it. And he should be. And, you know, so wh- how do we apply this to our own lives? So I have an answer for that. How do we apply this to our own careers, to our own jobs, to our own work that we're doing? I'll tell you right after I tell you about our sponsor, Squarespace. You want to build, here's the thing. You want to build a website. How are you going to do it? Are you going to learn HTML and CSS? You could. You're going to go set up uh, some, you know, some website somewhere and, and install it yourself. Yes, you could do that. But is that the best use of your time? Because every single minute that you spend doing something like that, if that's not in your core competency, if that's not in your wheelhouse, that's time that you have wasted. If your goal isn't to build websites, HTML, CSS, design, Photoshop, if that's not what you do and you're not trying to show off your personal skills at building something like that, but why are you doing this? Why are you building a website by hand, writing code? It's nuts. Ponderous, man. Let Squarespace do all of that. Your site's going to look professionally designed regardless of your knowledge or skill level. No coding required. Intuitive, easy-to-use tools. And they're even giving, like, they're handing out domains. You know how, like, runners, at the end of their, at the end of the marathon, they, like, stick out their arms, someone hands them, like, a cup, and yeah. they just drink it? No one knows where the cups come from. No one knows how they got filled with water. You just need water at you that point. You hope it's not poison. That's right. This is how Squarespace hands out domains now. Not you sign, you know, you sign up for a, a, a year and you get a free domain. And that's crazy. Squarespace.com slash quit. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code quit and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. So let me tell you that again. Free trial site. No strings. Go to squarespace.com slash quit. And when you sign up, offer code quit saves you 10%. Sign up for a year, free domain. Love that company. They're doing great work up there in New York, despite the fact that they're in New York. Squarespace.com. Just go to squarespace.com slash quit. Fantastic way to support the show. Squarespace.com slash quit. So here's how you bring this back to your own Line of work. Like I was saying, in South Korea, the people who were good, you know, you, you have a basically garage attendant, a person standing there directing cars around in, in underneath a shopping mall uh-huh. in Busan. And that person, I'm not saying that, that they were being open about how they felt about their job. And I know that it's part of 
their culture to put your best face forward always. Right. But how often here in the States can you see somebody who you just know they are pissed off about their job? Having a bad day. They're pissed off about their job. They're pissed off about the fact that they even have to be there. They're having a bad day, like you said. Or just taking their own time and they're not rushing or anything or trying to get things done in a timely manner. Disgruntled employees that you've got to deal with. So let me tell you a little story about another rest, another little restaurant story. Uh, you know what? I got, I got two restaurant stories just talking about professions, talking about craft. If you find that, if you can get into your work, if you can get into what it is that you're doing, even if you don't want to be working at Burger King and that's where you work. Even if you're like, this work sucks. I'm above this work. This is not the work I should be doing. I have a degree. And if I hadn't have been laid off from that job, I wouldn't have to work in this crappy you know, restaurant, gas station, web design job, whatever. I wouldn't have to do this thing. But you know what? You did, and this is where you are. That's what's stopping you from doing your best work. That's what's stopping you from being amazing is that you're better than that job or you're tired. That's unacceptable. Hattie, that's unacceptable. I know. Well, I had a test uh, today, so I'm not going to do what I need to do on my internship. I'm just tired. I'm just going to just going to kind of check in, you know, just be there. You know what? That's not you. You've got to go there and be amazing no matter what it is that you're doing. Nothing is ever good. I hate when my kid when my when my kid will be doing his homework and be like, "Is that good enough?" Like, "No, it's not good enough." If you have to ask if it's good enough. Right, then it's not. Then it's not good enough. 3-hour timeout. <laughs> One million years dungeon. Yeah. But I hate, I hate that kind of attitude. Like you should always do your best at whatever it is that you're doing. Are you washing the dishes? Are they just for you? Are you alone in your apartment? Right. Washing the best. Right. You never know. You just, you never know. If you write an article, if you write a post, if you leave a comment on a website, if you make a tweet, whatever it is. It should be you putting your best foot forward. It should be you doing your best work because you absolutely have no idea who's going to see it, who's going to read it, who's going to hear about it. Right. Oh, it doesn't matter if I made a spelling mistake. Nobody's going to see yeah, it. Yeah, it's just a, well, just a comment on the internet. Now other people are looking at it and going, wow, how illiterate are they? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, shouldn't care what other people think. And, right, but, but if that but person may be hiring you. Yeah, right. That could be your, uh, the person that you look up to the most or somebody that you highly admire. And now they're looking at your post and there's right. spelling and grammatical errors right. everywhere. It's embarrassing. I'm wearing a, a today, a Patagonia. What is this thing called? It's a quarter zip. Quarter, uh, yeah, quarter zip, um, pullover. Pullover sweater. It's not like a sweater. It's more, it's like a thicker. I think they call it the better sweater. Yeah. It, I bought it in the Patagonia store, I think. It was expensive. It's probably it looks the, warm. It's the, probably the most expensive one that I've ever uh, got. And I, I love it. It's amazing. And I wear it. And I'm always very warm when I wear it. And it's just all around a great garment. It's made very, very, very well. I only have one of them. But I wish that this was 
and all the other ones that I bought because I didn't want to spend the money on the Patagonia one. I wish that I had never gotten them because they haven't lasted. They haven't been good or they're not warm or they're not comfortable or they're falling apart or the thread is coming off of them. When you finally splurge and get the one that's like a little bit more, but it's made better. And then you regret all the ones that you've gotten before that were like the cheap version. That's right. You're like, gosh, I could have gotten three really, really great ones for all the crap ones that I bought already. It's just, it's, it's weird because you, you try not to spend that money. I've told the story here. Uh, uh, about a friend of mine who didn't want to buy the expensive trash can that he saw that I had. And I had bought this expensive trash can and it was big square and it had the two wheels on it. And like, you couldn't, you, you know, you could hit the thing with a car and it would damage the car. <laughs> and he's like, well, how much was that? And I said, oh, you know, it was like 40 bucks or something. He's like 40 bucks for a trash can. Just said, trash yeah. goes said, in. Yeah, just trash goes in there. I said, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get the, because he had just bought a house or something. I'm going to get, there's like a $9 one at the Home Depot. I'm going to get that. Well, let me tell you what happens, to, what happened to him and what happened to me. And after the third one, why I finally went up, wound up buying an expensive one is over time, the wheels of these things break off or get damaged. Eventually, something happens where they get a rip or a tear in them because they're made so cheaply. Or they break. They're incredibly unstable and wobbly so that when you're and wheeling them up the... Yes, they leak. And when you're wheeling them up the driveway, they, they're not balanced, so they fall left and right or hard to get. And you know, after like the second or third one of these things, you're like, wait a minute, I just spent more than 30 bucks on these. And now the third one's kaput. If I had just bought that first one that was good. Recall the expression my friend used to say to me all the time, a poor man can afford only the very best. Because you only want to buy one thing. Right. You want to get the right thing. You want to get it once. You don't want to get two of them. You don't want to get three of them. Get the right thing. Don't have, ever have to upgrade it if you get the right thing. Don't ever have to replace it because it'll last longer. Now, my wife is especially good at making cars last. She will get a car and she will keep that thing for a decade before she even considers getting something new. I'm that way with cars. Yeah. It's a good way to be. Like some people get and you buy, cars. You generally buy the used cars too. And that's the even better way to save money. The used. Slightly used. Slightly used. Right. Like if somebody's like, if the, oh, they've had it for six months and then they decided they had to move somewhere where they had no car, huh. you know, things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, the, some people get cars like every, every two years, I get a brand new car. I think someone, lease. I met somebody that. Throwing away money. And I was like. Every two years. I'm like, I can't, I haven't even been able, my car still feels new and yeah. I got it three years ago. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's that, it's like quality control. Creating something that is just, if you, if you don't, if the, if your mentality is that you don't know how to create or do anything that isn't your best work. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's good enough. Good enough. How do you've heard me say good enough? Yeah. I don't like to say that. I don't like that attitude. Sometimes that's your only choice. If it's, you know, if it's late in the day on late at, on a Friday and you've got to get that one last thing done. You're like, yeah, that's, that's good. it's good enough. And that's a weakness. Like, I don't want to do that. And I, I hate doing that. I hate that feeling. But you're not a good enough all the time kind of person. No. So I think... 
in some ways that's better. No. I probably I probably take things to everything equally seriously. Yeah. Like I'll spend time on things that probably don't need to be spent time like on. Like what? Oh, I don't know. Spreadsheets and yeah. things like getting the line height perfect. <laughs> I'm not killing time. Like I feel like a lot of people would think that. Oh, Hattie, you're just, you know, messing with the design of it <laughs> just because you can and you're just don't. No, I, the line height matters to me, you know, like all of that. And oh, that, that color hurts my eyes or are people when I'm making the reads like are is the font going to be the right size that people can see it? Are they drawn to it? Does this need a highlight? Like, right. I think about all that stuff and. You know, I, I'm trying to think back. Maybe I think about it too much. I'm trying to think back if you've ever done something. Good enough. Where I thought she didn't do a good enough job on that. And I don't think there has been anything. And that's incredibly rare. Because I had huge times in my career where I was phoning it in. In school. Doing barely what was good enough. But I'm saying here here working with me, you haven't done that. Well, good. Probably because I thought back to school when, you know, I'd turn in projects. I'd be like, oh, I just want to get it over with and just here it is. Turn in. Done. And then I'd think yeah. back and I'd be like, you know what? When people were presenting their projects, I'm right. like, they spent so much more time. And now I'm like, well... That's lame. I should have. Some, and I somehow had the time. we have a different attitude about it when it's with school, don't we? Yeah. I would like to tell you about the worst job I ever did on anything. I learned a huge lesson from. I don't think I've ever told you this story. It's the worst job I ever did on anything my whole life. And it was, I had to present it <laughs> to the class and defend it. And yeah, and like defend it and show <laughs> everyone about it and talk about it. <laughs> And it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever had to do in, in public. And I don't get easily embarrassed. Because, and I'll tell you about this because it's, I think there's a good lesson there. Before I tell you about it, I'll tell you about our last sponsor, Dev Boot Camp. Are you thinking about becoming a software developer like every other person listening to this show? Anybody who, Hattie, anybody who is not a software developer and who's listening to this show right now wants to be a software developer. Yes. This is I know a fact. It. They want to build websites. They want to do software development. And you know what? They should because it's really cool. It's really cool to build stuff and make stuff and make stuff that works and design cool websites and write code and get that whole thing. Had it just today. I was booting up this. Uh, I'm running Linux on this, yeah. this ancient Mac mini that <laughs> was too slow to run anything reasonably. Any version of macOS I would want to run. It was just too slow. Hate it. Couldn't run it. I was like, what are we going to do with this thing? It's only got two gigs of RAM. Put Linux on it. Mm. Ubuntu. So while we're doing that, you're like, I really, I really want to know. You said to me, you're like, I really want to like know how to do all this. And I want to be able to write code and everything else. I think it's a very valid interest. Especially and in 2016. There's... There's no downside to it. Like name a career that you wouldn't be better at by knowing how to do web development or software development. Dev Bootcamp's going to, it's, it's the best way to get there, to be honest. They're the original short-term immersive software development program that transforms people who are new to coding 
into job-ready, full-stack web developers. This is what you want. If you can hear my voice and you're thinking about becoming like a web developer, this, this is how to start. You're going to learn front and back end web development. You're also going to learn some things that are really hard to teach because like this is an immersive thing. You're working with other people. You're going to actually learn like teamwork and leadership skills in an inclusive environment and one where you're just by default going to be included and made to feel a part of all this. They've got a handful of country locations around the country and they're accepting applications again now. So go to devbootcamp, dev, D-E-V, devbootcamp.com slash quit. Just going there supports the show. But you'll be helping yourself out in a big way. I think they're, uh, they're doing some great work over there. Devbootcamp.com slash quit. It was sixth grade. And uh, I was in band class. Yeah. And my instrument was the alto sax. I did not want to play the alto sax. I wanted to play the tenor sax. I hated the alto sax. (laughs) There were two reasons that I was not allowed to play the tenor sax. The first reason is that the, the, the other kid who is a bigger dude, physically larger, they put it with him. Because he had the lungs? He, well, he was just a bigger guy. And they said, Danny, the alto sax is more your size. The tenor's too big for you. I said, well, you mean I can't play it? They're like, no, you should just play the alto. It's better for you. But I didn't like it. I didn't like the range of the alto sax. I didn't like any of that. I did not want to play the alto sax. <laughs> I already knew how to play the trumpet. By then it was too late. So I had to, so already from day one in this class, I was already like against the class and against the teacher. Right. You're like, I'm already off to a bad start. I said, fine. So I learned, it was learning to play the alto sax. And then at the end of the year, like your final project, cause I don't know how else they either, if, if you practice and you still suck, like they can't give you a bad grade. If right. you practice and you still suck, you'd like, you're obviously, if you're putting in the time, so a I put in the time. Effort. I always put in the time and practiced and I would learn the stuff. And I, I might not have been the best alto saxophonist that has ever gone through that uh, particular grade school, but I did okay. I played all right. But at the end of the year, they had the final project that you had to do. Why you had a project in this band. Now I want to be clear. This was not marching band. I'm, I was not a, a, a dork. You were not in Band. No, I was not in the band. And you were not in a band. I was not in a band yet. (laughs) I was not in the band. I was in band class. Right. I might have been the only kid in band class who was not also in the band and didn't go to band practice, which didn't help me in the class. (laughs) Right. Everybody's best friends. Right. (laughs) And our project was to build build an instrument. I had that project too. Okay. What did you build? I built I built a um uh wash tub base mm. with a uh giant metal probably 20 30 50 gallon, I don't know, I don't know gallons. Yeah. bucket, like big one like this big. Yeah. And uh like the size of a tire. Wow. And then uh you flip that over and then you have um you buy uh like a base string. Mhm. And Did it get, work? Yeah. And you have a 
broomstick <laughs> and you chop the end off and then you put a notch in the end so it sits on the end of the bucket and then you string the top you drill a hole in the top of the stick mm-hmm. wind your string around that and then attach it to the very you like drill a, a hole with a metal drill yeah in the bottom of the thing yeah tied around there and then you you pull the you pull it taut uh-huh. when it's on the end and then the angle that you do changes the sound of the string, and you can and play it worked. The it worked. You played it, and it sounded good. You can tell that because I was in the seventh grade, uh-huh. my dad did ninety nine percent of that, right. but I still remember how to make it. Yeah. So that's the important part. <laughs> and I was there the whole time. You know, it was it, <laughs> it was clear to me when I saw all of the other kids' instruments, uh-huh. some of which were real, some of which were sort of invented, right. It you was, blow on a on a bottle, <laughs> right? It was very clear that they had put a lot of time into it. It was also clear to me that their parents were deeply involved in the creation of this instrument. Because Maybe, you're a kid, you don't know what to make. <laughs> I went to a school where I was the poorest kid in school, and most of the other kids, like they were the kind of kids, that were like "Happy birthday, honey! Here's your BMW as you turn 16." You know, for me, it was like. Uh, I had a uh, you know eight year old Honda Civic that I could barely afford to have, and there was there was money being spent on these projects. Now I'm not going to say that I was jealous of that. I didn't care. I didn't want to have to do the project at all. I don't even think my mom knew that I had had it assigned until <laughs> the moment that I started thinking about it, which was probably on Sunday afternoon, the day before it was due. And these other kids, they had, I don't think anyone had, what did you call it? A, wa- a wash tub? Wash tub base. Wash tub base. I don't think any one of them had a wash tub base. It was the easiest one. But they had, they had all <laughs> kinds of things. They had like instruments from other countries. They had things that actually worked and they could play little songs on them. And they had, they had spent time and they had spent money and they'd had parental assistance with these things. Yeah. I took the mouthpiece. From my alto saxophone, which I hated. <laughs> Destroy part which of is, it. Which is, if you haven't seen a, a saxophone or an alto saxophone, but if you haven't seen it, it's, the mouthpiece is black and it's plastic and it holds a wooden reed and the reed is held onto the plastic piece by, uh, you know, a little metal adjustable screw thing that like clamps it into place. So if you just blow through the reed just a little mouthpiece it does it makes a sound i like and, where this is going and i don't know if what you would compare the sound to it doesn't sound like a saxophone it sounds more like a, almost like a, like kazoo. a kazoo yeah, yeah. you're reading my mind so if if you take that already i'm like well this makes a sound they said you could kind of use elements from modern instruments. You could, I could take this and I could, I could have just attached this to something. Maybe if Anything. I, maybe if I attached it to something like, you know, the saxophone has these like buttons you press and they let air out of the saxophone, like different ways they change the pitch. I could make something that does the same thing as that. What do we have, you know, in the garage? What do we have in the house? Time to go dig around. And I couldn't find anything because this was like me and my mom, right? Like it wasn't like I didn't have like a dad there who could be like, 
come on, son, let's go build some kind of cool thing. Like, you know, dads like look for an excuse like, oh, you know, the arm of your Wolverine broke off. Sure. Let's go get some of this and that. And we'll go. And you know what? We need to go and buy a rivet gun and we need to get this, you know, right. Oh, we just spent $350 on your on, bottle rocket on gear, you know, to like <laughs> to repair a $3 toy. I didn't have a dad for any of that. So for me, it was it was like, okay, what am I going to find in the house? And I couldn't find anything, but I found we had like a like a 2 liter bottle of Coke in the fridge. I'm like, "All right, well, I'll just drink all this Coke." And I can use well, a bottle. Well, I have to for school. Yeah, so I had to drink all the Coke. I drank all that. Now you're jacked up. Now I'm jacked up. <laughs> I, you know, I peeled the label off. I broke off the, but you know how the, back in the day, okay, you know, a modern two liter bottle has like the, the bottom of the bottle is the bottom of the bottle and you put it down on the table and it's got like four little feet on the bottom. Have you ever looked at the bottle of a two liter bottle of Coke? Yes. Okay. Back in the old days. Uh, like in the eighties, uh, I'm, I'm Googling this right now to see if I can find a picture of it. We did not. Yeah. Here's one. We did not have the little feet built into the bottom of the, of, of the two liter bottle of Coke. It was like a, yeah. What did the, it was a plastic. Oh, like it was like slipping onto the bottom of the bottle. Right. And I guess it was put on in the factory with a little glue or or while it was hot and it would stick to the bottom. So I had to wrestle to get that thing off. And at some point I I figured like I found like a tube, like a, a, a PVC tube that I and I used duct tape and this thing was falling apart. I mean, it wouldn't stay together. <laughs> It was so embarrassing. I couldn't get it to make any sounds at all except just the kazoo sound, the one kazoo sound. I couldn't get it to change notes or anything. But this was what I had. It was Sunday night. The thing was due the next morning. And uh, I, I, I had to do that. You know, then you, you, you get off, like you're sitting there with it on the bus, you know, and like a couple of the other kids were on the bus and I'm looking at their instruments and these are like legit instruments, you know. Like these are the real, these are the real deal. And here I am with my piece of crap thing that I like threw together. And I'm really starting to realize now just how bad this thing was (laughs) and what a crappy job I did on this thing. And we had to present these things in the class. We didn't just hand them in. We had to stand up in front of the whole class and be like, this is my instrument. This is what I built. This is what was my inspiration for it. This is how I built it with my, you know, with my mom, with my dad, whoever. This is how we made it. And this is what, and and now I'm going to play a song on it. Oh, gosh. And I had to get up in front of this class with my two liter you know, bottle of Coke still swilling around in the bottom of it and a tube and my reed, you know, <laughs> from the alto sax taped up with, with, you know, silver duct tape. Like to say that this thing was a last minute. I mean, it was, I was, it was so embarrassed, but it was only because I had procrastinated about it because I, you know, if I had really wanted help, I could have said to me, hey, mom, like, I really need help with this. And she would have helped me do something. My uncle 
It's like a genius electrical engineer who builds <laughs> submarines. Right. He would have been able to help you. <laughs> and he lived across the street. Across the street. Wow. You he really, was, really didn't do any, any work. IBM came out with the personal computer, the IBM PC. He read about it in a magazine and went and built his own. Just from reading about yes. it? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it was a PC. It was fine. It worked. I used to play the Olympics and stuff on it. It ran DOS. It was fine. It did everything. And he, he, he just, that's like he would, he was the one fixing his Peugeot with the little switch. Oh yeah. I remember that story. Like he did everything. He re-roofed his own house. He tiled his own entire house. He was very DIY. Yes. I don't think he ever hired another human being to do any work on anything he ever had. Because why? He could figure it out and he could do it and he did. I'm sure he would have helped me make a stupid instrument if I'd asked. I just didn't want to do it. So finally, it was my turn to get up and I had to stand there and like totally BS. Well, this was my inspiration for it. And try and do it with a straight face and be like, yes, I, I, I made this because it was supposed to, you know, I thought about the alto sax and I read about how the original alto sax was, I mean, it was made out of BS. a Coke bottle. It was such BS. <laughs> yeah. I won't lie and say that this taught me a lesson to like never do anything last minute again. I did a lot of stuff last minute. But what it did tell me was that like the kind of work that you do matters and that these things that seem like silly and not that important to you can actually leave an impression with someone else. You know, it could be that article that you write. It could be that bit of code that you commit to your project. It could be that proposal that, that you're working on. Or that the spreadsheet. Espresso, the espresso that the you espresso. just met. That might be That's make right. some, that might be someone's very first espresso that they've ever had. That's right. And might determine if they like coffee for the rest of their life. Excellent. You might be working at McDonald's and you know what? For some reason, like me, <laughs> if I got a, you know, what are those called? The McMuffin things. But like if everything was perfectly stacked and perfectly wrapped and like n nothing was out of place. Like to me, what if I was having a really bad day and I opened that up? I'm like, it's right. perfect. It's the only thing that's going right right now. You know, yeah. like you never know what what you make could make someone's day. Such a great point. It always reminds me of that Bruce Springsteen quote where someone was interviewing him and, and they said to him, you know, you really gave it a thousand percent up there. And you're, he was like exhausted after this, you know, four hour performance on stage. One of many he would be giving that week. And the person who was interviewing him asked him, like, why do you do that? How is it that, that you do that every night? And he said, you know. He said, this concert, somebody in that audience, maybe more than one person, but somebody in that audience, this is going to be the first concert that they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It may be the only concert they ever see. So I owe it to that person to go out there and give it everything that I've got. And he does that, you know, and he may not feel like it. But he does it. If you're going to show up, if you show up, if you decide to show up, and it's another thing, it's a whole other topic to say, I'm not, I'm not going. That's a whole <laughs> other show. But if you decide to show up to do a job, you better give it 100%. That's all I'm going to say about that. You can follow Hattie on Twitter, 
She's at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. You can uh, reach out to the show by going to 5by5.tv slash contact. Click the link for the quit show. It'll put a special subject line in there and uh, send us your thoughts and your feedback. And we'll get to them on the next show. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.